Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the GM Shuffle. They didn't play anybody. They didn't play great quarterbacks. And when they did, they lost. So, like, I know this hype for Buffalo is going crazy. And and I respect Buffalo and I like Buffalo. But I think we're going way too far out there. I think we're going way – I don't think people are peeling back the numbers. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefei. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. Michael, I don't know about you, but this whole day, to me, feels like the first day of school, Christmas morning, all Ugh. wrapped up in one, baby. Opening night is finally here. All right, are you all dressed up in uniform like my grandson Dominic <laughs> going to school with his little push-on tie? You ready to go? First day, got your hair combed and ready. Got your lunchbox. You got a Batman lunchbox. Everybody yes. needs a Batman lunchbox. Uh, I mean, you know, why not? Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it's the best time of the year. Uh, you get this game. We got a really, I think, a great game to start the season mm-hmm. off with. Uh, two coaches that always seem to have their teams ready to play opening day. Even though I know Buffalo lost with last year, it wasn't because they weren't ready to play. So, you know, I think it'll be fun. I mean, it's just the start of something special. We had college last week. Now we get them both this week, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. There And always subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. You can tweet at us as well. You can find Michael on Twitter at MLombardiNFL. You can find me at Femi Abebefe. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us as always on the ones and twos. His Buffalo Bills, the Super Bowl favorites, oh Michael, taking on the Los Angeles Rams tonight. Let's just get right into this because this is the big thing that's going on today. Bills, Rams, opening night, SoFi Stadium. The banner will be unveiled for the Super Bowl champion Rams. However, our show sponsor, DraftKings, has them as two-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game. Are the defending champs being disrespected, Michael? I think they are to a degree. I mean, you know, I mean, the Buffalo momentum has carried all the way through. And when you break down the game, I mean, the, the this has been all Buffalo money coming in. There's 127,000 tickets that I see on my board already written up for the game. That's remarkable. That That's really remarkable. This, this first weekend betting is going to be incredible. And the line shifted from what I had on my power rankings when I did my lines, Femi, I had this as a one-point game in favor of the Rams, and it shifted to to, the, to now Buffalo is favored by two and a half. I think it's going to slide back closer to two come kickoff, maybe a point and a half. So if you want the Bills, get it early. But 
you know, look, the Bills' momentum has carried through. I think people remember the last game of the season, and they feel like the Rams will have some form of regression. I don't know about that, but I I do think that this will be a – I know the under's ticking down. I think this is going to be a, an offensive game. I think the pace of this game is going to be more offensive than defensive. Are you any concerns with Matthew Stafford's elbow? I know McVay said that he's good to go, ready to throw 50 to 60 times if needed. Stafford said he's good to go. Any concerns there with uh, Stafford? Now, I think this, you, you, you go out to pregame warm-up. If you're Brendan Bean, the GM of the, of the Bills, you go out to pregame warm-up and you watch Stafford throw. And you really judge his arm strength. That's the only thing you can do. Forget all the forget all the language. You judge his arm strength. Can he throw it? Mm-hmm. You know, we played Denver in a, in a, in, a, in the 2016 playoff game that we lost. You know, uh, when I was at the Patriots. I mean, Peyton had no velocity on the ball, and so when you know the quarterback can't throw it and he doesn't have velocity to throw it outside the numbers or down the field, it changes how you play the game. I think when pregame, you're going to see him. You know, if he can throw it, and if you feel like he's throwing it, look, it's only one game. He's going to get through the one game, so there's mm-hmm. nothing to worry about. You know, it's like when a, when a catcher throws the ball to second base to, to start before he starts the inning. Everybody wants to see him make a precision throw, so that stops people from stealing. It's the same thing. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported early, early this morning, bright and early, 4 a.m. West Coast time, that Matthew Stafford underwent an off-season elbow procedure to deal with the pain he experienced last season and to help prepare for this season, per sources. Despite the questions about his elbow, Stafford now said that he feels better today than he did this time last year. So maybe we see an even better Matthew Stafford in 2022. Maybe maybe they tightened him up. I don't know. Maybe they went in there and (laughs) tightened some things up. I mean, I I can't say, but I I don't think it's good. This game's going to come down to his elbow. I think this game's Mm going to come down to a couple factors. I think it's going to come down to can note bloom handle the edge. Can he block and can he, this offensive line control the bills? The bills need to rush. Everybody makes such a big deal about Buffalo's coverage and, you know, the rookie starting at corner and Tadarius White not playing. Buffalo is a cover seven team, and cover seven is simply quarter, quarter, quarter. It's four quarters across the board. And that's why their safeties are so involved because it's it's a nine-man front, essentially. You get the two safeties that jockey down into position. It's an old college coverage. I mean, when Jimmy Johnson first got in the league, in 1989, he brought cover seven with him from college. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the league naturally with their attitudes, oh, you can't run that coverage in pro football. It won't work. It won't work. Well, it's still alive today and it's working. And McDermott has utilized it pretty much his whole time. So I think McVay knows what the coverage is going to be. I don't think, and I think McDermott knows he's not inclined to play a man to man game. And I think it's all going to come down to how this matchup transposes and the adjustments made. And I, and I think McVay will have a good plan against the Bills. And I think the Bills will have a good plan against Raheem Morris's defense of the Rams. Yeah, McVay having a good plan falls in line with what he's been able to do throughout his six seasons as the head coach. More often than not, he's really prepared, sometimes even over-prepared, he said, to his own detriment there. During his six seasons, this note from Adam Schefter as well, during his six seasons in 81 games as the Rams head coach, Sean McVay's team has never been under 500. That streak will be put to test tonight there with a chance that they may go 0-1. The betting market thinks they're going to go 0-1. Michael, who do you think wins this football game? I like the Rams. I would take the Rams and the points. I really do. And here's why. I think if you look at McVay, right? If you look at McVay, what he's been able to do is, you know, he's 5-0 and in opening games. He's mm-hmm. never scored less than 30 points in, in all but one of them. And that was the COVID year he won 20-17. to 
You know, last year he didn't play well against the Bears. He put they won 34-14. They didn't even play well. You know, and so for me, I think he'll score. I think this game is going to be back and forth. I think whoever has the ball last probably is going to win it. And I think at two and a half points, if you can get that, I think it's a good play. I think you're underestimating the champion a little bit here. Look, I love Josh Allen, and I think the Bills will play well. But last year in the opener, their special teams let them down. I think I'm sure McDermott's going to have that covered. I just think it's a back-and-forth game, and there's enough talent on both teams to continue to score. we got to see if Buffalo can block with their offensive line too, right? Yeah. The other thing about Buffalo that I think you got to understand too, Fem, is last year, tell me the quarterbacks that they played that were elite. Yeah, it's, I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, Mahomes <laughs> Tom threw Brady. for how many yards against him, yeah, right? Yeah, Mahomes, Mahomes threw for how many yards? Yeah, yeah Brady, Brady threw carved, for how many yards against him? He carved him up pretty good. Yeah, I mean, tell me. I mean, they haven't. I mean, everybody looks at the schedule and says, you know, Buffalo and I, Stephen Bond, I, I don't want to make you upset here, but <laughs> everybody looks at their schedule and says, well, you know, they that last year their defense was ranked number one in the league. Okay, well, they only played – they only played so many quarterbacks. I mean, they, they played Brady. I mean, here's the quarterbacks they played. They open up with Pittsburgh, broken down Ben. They come Miami, they play with, <laughs> they got Tua. They get Washington with Tyler Hankey, with Taylor Hankey. They get Houston with, I think it's still Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills. Then they get Kansas City. They give up 392 yards against Mahomes. They get Ryan Tannehill. They give up 362, but I wouldn't call him a top 10 quarterback. We'll get to that. Then Miami oh, yeah. again, Jacksonville, the Jets, the Colts with Carson, the left-handed thrower. New Orleans, <laughs> okay. New England, Mac Jones, a rookie. All right. Tampa, they get Brady. They give up 488 yards, 351 passing. Carolina, New England, New England with Mac Jones again, right? Atlanta, Matt Ryan, the Jets, New England in the, Patri- in the Patriot game, Mac, Ryan, Mac Jones again. Well, one of the Mac Jones games, the win was howling so bad. Yeah. And then Kansas City gave up they gave up 552. So tell me what top 10 quarterback they played other than Mahomes, other than Mahomes and Brady. And in those games, their defense allowed a lot of allowed a lot of yards. So I think and their coordinators were able to move the ball on McDermott. I think that's what we're going to see tonight. Yeah, we'll see. Kyir Elam, their first-round pick at cornerback, is going to be put to the test guarding Cooper Cup or Allen Robinson. I know there's no Van Jefferson for the Rams there, but they still have some pretty good weapons as pass catchers. I cannot wait for this game. Uh, kickoff at 520 over at SoFi Stadium here. But, Mike, let's get through some other news and notes from around the league. And earlier this week, we saw Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, officially huh. named Joe Flacco the starting quarterback, not just for this Sunday, but for the next few Sundays, as Zach Wilson will not return until week four against the Pittsburgh Steelers at the earliest. Your thoughts on Flacco with the potential revenge situation going up against his old buddies in Baltimore? I mean, Sly just makes me laugh. Like, he makes me laugh. I mean, like, what is he thinking? He comes out and says, well, there's a chance Zach Wilson could play this week. I mean, John Harbaugh and the entire coaching staff in Baltimore is praying Zach Wilson plays. Like, how stupid do you think Baltimore is to think that you're going to put Zach Wilson out there on opening day against Baltimore, who, you know, is a physical team with no practice, with no real practice coming off a major knee injury? Like, seriously, do you really think that? Like, I mean, I, I mean, like, what are you trying to do? Like, who are you trying to kid? Like, just like, okay, look, Zach Wilson's coming around. Oh, you, got, you don't have to even answer the question. Mm-hmm. But don't tell me Zach Wilson has a chance to play. Everybody knows he had no chance to play. Like, like to me, 
don't try to outsmart yourself. Like I, I just, <laughs> to me, every time I watch him do something, I'm like less inclined to think that this guy, how he got to become a head coach, I have no idea. I really don't. Like I would have loved to have been in that interview with Joe Douglas and hear that conversation. Like Robert, take me through your game plan on how you're going to get you. Like, like put him in a situation. Like tell me how you're going to handle this. Tell me how. Like, I would love to hear that. I would have loved to hear that. So anyway, I, I mean, look. I, I think, to me, if Wilson would have played, the line would have moved. I think if Wilson would have played. Now, I think the key in this game, Fem, is because of Will Flacco, the Jets' offensive line is going to have to show what they're made of, right? Because Flacco Mm -hmm. ain't moving. Oh, no. Flacco's not going to (laughs) move. You know, so you know where Flacco's going to be pretty much on every snap. So do you think that, you know, I I got a feeling that now it's going to come down Fant at right tackle, Dwayne Brown. We're going to find out how good this jet line is pretty quickly. Yeah, Dwayne Brown didn't practice on Wednesday, but he's kind of been known for only practicing Thursday, Fridays, dating back to his time with the Seahawks uh, yeah. there. He just, yeah. he's a veteran guy and needs his rest there. Um, my guess is that he will play this come Sunday, but the Jets are seven-point underdogs against said Baltimore Ravens, who now are under the clock here, courtesy of their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Lamar has set the hard deadline of Friday for a potential contract extension between he and and the Baltimore Ravens. Do you think we get something done here by this time tomorrow? I, I was told somebody uh, in the agent community that's monitoring this uh, that that they've all, that Baltimore's offered him a, a huge deal, and that he's turned it down. Now, you know, Lamar has come out and said he hasn't really had a great offer from them. I, I had tend to believe Baltimore's made him a good deal. Look, the thing that always happens, and he said tomorrow is the deadline. What you always want to do is put something in front of the player that's too tempting to turn down, knowing that he's got to play 17 games and could risk injury, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just, it's just smart. Like, do you want to take this risk to get an extra $500,000, which you're going to give Uncle Sam 250 of it immediately, right? Like, I know we want all the money. You know, you know. again, soprano reference here. People are very upset with us, Femi. We're not talking about the sopranos <laughs> enough here at the end of the show. But, I mean, you can't eat all the ravioli. Like, you can't eat all the pasta. Like, at some point, yeah. you got to have something that says, okay, here's what I'm going to give back. And to me, I think that's what Baltimore will do. And I, I would be surprised if, if Lamar just walks from it. I, I can't imagine that you have that kind of ability to walk away from something knowing that there's potential for risk. You're a running quarterback. You move around. Look, he's been able to – he got hurt last year. All those factors. Risk, reward. What's the risk? What's the reward? Well, you said that he's been offered a huge contract from the people that you've spoken with. Is that contract reminiscent to the Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray contracts, or is it reminiscent to what Deshaun Watson gets? Because I don't think he's getting that guaranteed, which is what he probably wants. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. And the person I chatted with didn't have an answer to that question either. But I'll say this. You know, if to me, if, it's, if he doesn't have the guarantee, if I was representing Lamar Jackson, I would say, Lamar, look, the number one thing we got to do in this contract is get to another contract. That's the number one thing. We got to have another bite of the apple. Russell Wilson ain't getting another bite of the apple, right? Yeah. That's not going to happen. So let's make sure we get another bite of this apple. Maybe Deshaun Watson doesn't get another bite of the apple. I don't know. <laughs> But let's get another. Let's go instead. So if they want to limit our guarantee, let's let's get let's take back a year. Let's get to the market again. You know, remember, mm-hmm. guaranteed money is symbolic. Time equals money in negotiations. The more guarantee I give you, the more years I want. Yeah. No, I I, I fully agree there. I mean, it's 
he could play this thing like how Kirk Cousins played it there, trying to play on the franchise tag for two years, but that's a risky proposition there, especially with a mobile quarterback. He got hurt last year, had been healthy up until that point, but he did miss the final four games of the Ravens a year ago. Michael, let's take a quick break here. The moment everybody's been waiting for, the final edition of the Blue Chip Red Chip Series. We're talking QBs next here on the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It is time, Michael, to talk some blue chip and red chip quarterbacks. But before we get into the list, and this list, unlike the others, we have them ranked going from 10 all the way up to number one. But first, let's define and set the criteria because that's what we like to do here before we get into these positions. What separates a red chip and blue chip quarterback from the rest of the signal callers from around the league? Hey, well, you know, look, it it really is who's the red chips or the uh, guys that aren't quite in the top five. I mean, blue chip are top five players, right? And so they're the top five players at their position, and red chips should be the six through ten. And so that's kind of separates them. The criteria is simply this: like you go to a game and you know this other guy is going to throw the ball. Can he beat you throwing the football? And can he make all the throws on the field? Is he dead like accurate? You know, we talked about this before. You know, there's there's three kinds of accuracy: throw it through the door hit the doorknob, or throw it through the keyhole. These guys all need to throw it through the keyhole. To be in a blue chip, red chip category, you got to throw the ball through the keyhole. you got to make plays on your own. You've got to be able to make a play that the system didn't give you. you got to protect the ball, right? You know, people say, Kirk Cousins on the list. How could he be on the list? Well, you know, he throws 33 touchdown passes, only seven interceptions, okay? You know, and you also have to look pat. They have to evaluate the season that they had in totality. For example, Kyler Murray didn't make the list, right? You mm-hmm. could say, well, he had a really good year. He had 24 touchdown passes, 10 or Well, you watch the second half of the season. The other main criteria, the main criteria of my list is, can the defense take them out of the game by the way they rush? That's really critical. Can they take him out of the game by the way they rush? You can take Murray out of the game if you rush in front of him. If you stand in front of him, make him have to throw. You could take Brady if you get in the paint. It's harder to do. It's difference between getting in front of Murray and getting in the paint on Brady. Two different things. So for me, can you make if these guys have to play left-handed, can they make plays? And I think ultimately that's how I came up with the list. All right. Well, I mean, 
Let's, let's get into the list because I have some questions about these guys that you left off the list. Fire away, to Femi, of argue with let, me. God damn it, oh, argue. I, I'm, I'm ready to argue with you, but I want to get to the list first because the people are w- waiting to see what this list is 10 through 6. And you hinted at it. Kirk Cousins is on the list, and that's where it starts as the number 10 quarterback for the Red Chips here. Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. Number 9 is Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. Number 8, Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. Number 7, Matthew Stafford of the LA Rams coming off a Super Bowl victory. And number 6 is Joe Burrow, everybody's favorite quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, entering into his third season here. But to me, when I looked at this list, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Stafford before last year, you could throw him into this category as well. And I get what you're saying, but these are guys that also, in my opinion, don't really elevate the guys around them because they put up the stats, they have the production, but they also don't have the wins. Kirk Cousins is a 500 quarterback. Derek Carr, below 557 and 70 in his career, 0-1 in the playoffs. Do you see the elevation from those guys versus some of the guys that you left off the list, like a Russell Wilson, who for a decade won as many games as anybody outside of Tom Brady? Well, I mean, for Wilson's case, I thought he played bad last year. Then is then, now is now. So, like, to me, Wilson would have been on the list in years prior, but last year I thought he wasn't very good at all. I thought he turned the mm-hmm. ball over. I've mentioned this many times to before. Does it run with the ball? Only 183 yards. Look, I do think quarterbacks have to be a little bit like starting pitchers. Like, you take Joe Burrow, for example, right? I have him six on the list. I don't think he played great in the playoffs. The, the, the Bengals won and got to the Super Bowl because of Burrow's ability to protect the football – his ability to execute, but he didn't play well. He didn't, he didn't play at an elite level. And so they won with defense, turning the ball over, protecting the ball and the kicker. They didn't really win, but, but he contributed to not losing Joe Burrow. So for me, playing quarterbacks like the starting pitcher, it's not Kirk Cousins' fault that the Minnesota Vikings defense was so bad. I mean, there's really nothing he could do about it, right? They were as bad as you could possibly be. To me, Derek Carr... To, it, when you look at where he was last year through all the changes and how many yards he threw for and his ability to throw the ball with pinpoint-like accuracy, 4,800 yards, Femi, is remarkable. You know, And his ability to complete passes. Now, I wish Carr had more touchdown passes. He had 23 touchdown passes mm-hmm. to 14 interceptions. I think that's one of the areas he needs to improve on. But the whole Raider team, their red zone package last year was a disaster was a complete disaster. So, you know, I, I think ultimately that comes back. I don't think a quarterback – look, there's guys in the Hall of Fame that didn't win. Warren Moon didn't win, you know. I mean, he only played a one-conference championship game. Sometimes we put so much on the quarterback. I mean, was it, was it Josh Allen's fault that Buffalo lost to Kansas City? I don't think so. <laughs> no. I don't think so, right? <laughs> No, you know, and so and so, I think you have to be real. Like to me, Matthew Stafford. I don't think Matthew Stafford's ever going to be a blue chip player because Matthew Stafford's going to take too many risks with the ball. He is going to turn the ball over, right? And it wasn't his fault for his inability to to make for his inability how bad Detroit was. Like I think it was more Detroit's front office and their execution of player personnel that it was Matthew Stafford not being a winner. I really do. And I think sometimes you got to look at that. You got to look at the whole thing as you go through it. And I think fourth quarter comebacks, game winning drives, I think all those things matter. I think that, you know, Derek Carr had six game winning drives last year. Six. I mean, how does he not be a top 10 quarterback when you have six game winning drives and three fourth quarter comebacks? That's what I'm looking for. I want somebody that does that. Justin Herbert, we'll get to him later. You know, he had five fourth quarter comebacks and five game-winning drives. You know, 
Josh Allen, for as great as Josh Allen was last year, didn't have either. Didn't have either. Did had no fourth quarter comebacks and no game winning drives. Now that doesn't keep him out of the list, mm-hmm. right? But Russell Wilson had zero fourth quarter comebacks and he had one game winning drive. It, Lamar, I, I didn't put Lamar on this list because Lamar was hurt last year. But if Lamar had four game winning comebacks, fourth quarter comebacks, and four game winning drives, and if he throws the ball in the flat right to the kid, the tight end, I forget who it was, against Pittsburgh, that's going to be five and five on the two point play. Remember that yeah, play? Yeah, I do remember that when they decided to go for two there when they had their whole secondary banged up. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, to me, that's, that's why. And I, I get your point about wins. I, I'm a big believer mm. the quarterback's got to win the game. But sometimes the, the, the quarterback can't overcome, A, bad coaching, Sean McDermott in the playoff game, B, bad defense, Mike Zimmer last year, right? You can't overcome that. Yeah, I think Lamar, Lamar and Wilson are the ones I particularly would have. If somebody were to ask me, Femi, what's your list here? This is Michael's list. This is not my list, but we're breaking it down. Lamar, with his resume and his sample size, and I get that he's not the quarterback who throws for the 4,000 yards. He probably would have last year if he stayed healthy all throughout last year. And that's one of the reasons why you left him off the list there. But Lamar with the, that's the only re- reason. record. Yeah, that's the only reason. Yeah, Because, yeah, his resume so, I mean, speaks he for would- itself. He would replace to me. He's a he's a red chip player. Like to me, I would easily say Lamar's a red chip player. Okay. He just wasn't a red chip player last year because he missed games, you know, and and that injury affected him. And he didn't play to the level that he did. Like his yards per attempt went down. I think Baltimore needs to do a better job offensively. I think they handicap Lamar more than they help him with their RPO game. I think they need to be under center. I've said this many, be under center. Get them on bootlegs. Get them on nakeds. I mean, the the guy is, for lack of a better term, a winner. Do you know there was only two quarterbacks last year that did not have a game-winning drive or a fourth-quarter comeback? Wow. I didn't know that. Two. There was only two. Carson Wentz and Josh Allen. (laughs) Wow. I guess the, the, the Bills, when they won their games, they oftentimes steamrolled people. They so rolled them. That's, because that's look, but, but that goes back to what we said in the A block, right? They yeah. didn't play anybody. They didn't play anybody. They didn't play great quarterbacks. And when they did, they lost. So, like, I know this hype for Buffalo is going crazy. And, and I respect Buffalo and I like Buffalo. But I think we're going way too far out there. I think we're going way. I don't think people are peeling back the numbers. The five guys you have on this list here, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, those guys were first-round picks. Derek Carr, second-round pick. Dak Prescott, a fourth-round pick. Same with Kirk Cousins. I want to focus in on Dak because I think it's a big year for him to show that he is maybe a red chip or possibly could potentially vie for being a blue chip because now the parts are being stripped down on that Cowboys offense. The offensive line is banged up. Amari Cooper's in Cleveland. Michael Gallup is coming off of the ACL injury. They're really putting the onus on Dak Prescott to pick up where others have left off. At number nine, entering his age 29 season in the prime of his career, he's thrown for 4,000 yards in two of his last three seasons. He's won a lot of games, 53 and 32 in his career. Do you think Dak Prescott has the potential to get up to maybe six or seven or maybe even a blue chip quarterback? I think he can get to six or seven. I don't know if he gets to that upper level. I think there's times when you watch Dak play, there's certain throws he misses. Like he, mm. like Peyton Manning never misses. Like he never misses. Like it's it that's that's the difference between blue and red. They never miss, right? They just don't. Aaron Rodgers never misses. Like if he's got the guy, it, it, the ball is going to be right where it has to be. I think sometimes Dak loses that through the keyhole accuracy, 
I love Dak. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Dak, right? I think all these guys on the red chip list you can win a Super Bowl with. I think all these guys can take their team there. And if Joe Gibbs was coaching any one of these six, they're better than Doug Williams. They're better than, you know, Mark Rippon. They're better than, you know, uh, Stan Humphreys. And he won Super Bowls with all three. So, like, for me, I I think there's no doubt of that. So, I I think he could raise his level a little bit, you know, to six. I just don't see him being in that elite, elite category. I'd agree with that. I I, I mean, we'll we'll save that elite, elite category for Tua in the next conversation. (laughs) <laughs> to over here just catching strays on the GM show. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just so unbelievable. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd agree with you. For as a Cowboys fan, Dak Prescott to me has always felt like a very good quarterback, but that's his ceiling. I don't ever see him being a great quarterback. But like you said, you can win with a very good quarterback. But can you win, Michael, with a quarterback who is not on the red chip or blue chip list? In your opinion, do you think you can win a Super yeah, Bowl with a guy that's off that list? I mean, look, I just said, you know, but you got to be a, you got to be a head coach that understands how to win the game in three dimensions, offense, defense, and the kicking game. You got to play complimentary football. Like you've got to play. Do I think Mac Jones will ever be a blue chip? Probably not. Do I think he'd get the red chip? Maybe, you know, do I think he'd get there? Do I think that, you know, when you look at like, I think Matt Ryan was never a blue chip player, but he was a red chip player. Mm. I I think you can get there, but it has to, you've got to manage him. You know, Parcells. Parcells is so good at seeing the big picture that, you know, what what he was so good at doing was understanding how to take that guy who's not a red chip and make him look like a red chip, right? So how do you do that? So you do that by building the scheme. Like he would say all the time, like there's only two or three play- quarterbacks in the league you don't have to manage. Like you don't have to manage these guys. In fact, he do- he did it so well. It, I think it takes people's view of Phil Sims from being a really good player away because they managed Phil, not because they had to. They just built the offense around Phil, so it made Phil look like he wasn't as great as he was. It kind of hurt his probably Hall of Fame career chances. Really, it did because Phil was as talented, could run, could throw the ball. I mean, he did everything. But because the way they managed the game with him, he didn't look like an elite player when he probably had elite talent. And I think that's what you have to do. You know, I mean, look, Garoppolo got Garoppolo. I don't think is ever going to be a blue or red chip. And he got the 49ers. Well, they won with you say, well, they won with defense. No, they won in a three dimensional way. That's how they got there. Look, I don't think Joe Burrow, Femi, was a red chip player in the playoffs last year. I really don't. You could argue all you want with me on that. I don't think he was. I thought he took dumb sacks. But McPherson bailed him out. He took sacks that a high school kid shouldn't take. Like if you're a high school coach, a college coach, listen to this podcast. When you walk into your quarterback room, you have to have a board up there that basically shows where you can't take a sack on the field. I mean, the TV should do it for you too. Like during <laughs> the game, they should have a graphic. You know how we go in the red zone? Oh, yep. we got Scott Hansen coming up this week. Although we I've, I've detoured Scott Hansen. <laughs> I've detoured him. I got a detour build on that. I'll get to that later. But anyway, so. Uh, you know, the, where you go in there, you can't take a sack here because it costs us points, right? Yeah. The quarterbacks have to know that. They have to see it every single day. I can't take a sack here. I can't take a sack here. Well, he took sacks in places you can't take them. And yet McPherson came out and just busted it right through. Had he taken those sacks and McPherson missed the kick, we'd be having a whole different conversation with Joe Burrow right now. That Titans game comes to mind. The nine sacks that he took no in that doubt. game, somehow they were able I to survive and win. The, I was slamming. He kept he kept him in the game, but McPherson bailed him out. Yeah, as somebody who had a bet on the Titans, uh, 
I thought those sacks would mean something at the end of the game in terms of the results. So but, did I. But McPherson uh, ends up punching it through the uprights and breaking my heart back in January. But that's neither here nor there. Where we are, we've discussed the red chips. And just to recap them, Kirk Cousins, number 10, Dak Prescott, number 9, Derek Carr, number 8, Matthew Stafford, 7, and Joe Burrow, 6. But let's get to the creme de la creme on the other side, Michael. The blue chip quarterbacks, top 5 in the league, according to Michael Lombardi. We discussed that next. All right, Michael, let's get into it. The top five quarterbacks, according to you, your blue chip list here of quarterbacks, and they are as follows, and we will count them down from five to one. Starting with number five, this one might surprise some people, and it surprises me a little bit, Michael. We'll have this discussion. Patrick Mahomes at number five for the Kansas City Chiefs. You have Josh Allen at number four. Justin Herbert, number three. Tom Brady, the GOAT, at number two, but... We're talking about right now in 2022. And the number one is the two-time reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. But I think a lot of folks, Michael, are going to have questions about Mahomes at number five. Given his resume, how do you come to that conclusion? I don't think he played well last year. I think he's, he's capable of playing better. I think if you talk to Patrick Mahomes and if he's the true competitor, if he's the alpha male that he shows, I think he would tell you he's got to play better. I thought his accuracy last year, you know, he gets criticized. Uh, he never gets criticized for accuracy, but his location of the football was not good. There were times he had guys that he missed. Look, go back to the last three throws. Uh, I don't know if he was concussed in that, in that playoff game. I don't know. But against Cincinnati, that last three throws he made were the three worst throws I've ever seen him make. I think Patrick Mahomes at 26 years old is tremendous, right? I think he's Super Bowl winning. He's got a Hall of Fame career ahead of him. But just last year was not a typical Patrick Mahomes year. It just wasn't. I mean, I, you can't deny it. And if you want to just, if you just want to rubber stamp it and do no work at all and say Patrick Mahomes is great, let's just make sure he's great. So last year he had, you know, other than his second year in the league, he had the lowest he had the lowest TD percentage in his career. I mean, 2018 he threw 50 touchdowns. He had an 8.6 touchdown percentage. <laughs> this is ridiculous. He averaged 9.6 <laughs> yards per per. Last year he averaged he was the lowest in his career at 7.6. I mean, he got sacked 28 times, the most he's ever been sacked in his career. Right? So like like the year he threw the most interceptions he ever threw in his career, 13. So, like, to me, I think you, you just got to look at it. He was at yards, at yards per attempt was at 7-6 last year, Femi. 7-6. Now, let me read you what it was in prior years. 9-6 in 18. 8-9 in 19. 8-9 in 20. Last mm -hmm. year, it's 7-6. Went down. Now, a lot of that is because of the way people played him. I get that. Yep. But his accuracy wasn't what it was, and he didn't make the throws. He threw the ball more last year than he ever threw it in his career, 436 times. I mean, 658 times. And he had the most completions he ever had at 436. But to me, his yards weren't relative to the amount of time that he was throwing it. So I think Patrick Mahomes is great. I expect him to bounce back. I expect him to really have a tremendous season. I think he's going to be great. But to say he played well last year is a falsehood. It's not. He played well for some people. He just didn't play well for Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's where Mahomes is sort of a victim of his own success there because he has set such a high standard. Myself, I still think that he should be rated higher than Josh Allen and Justin Herbert because even though his play dipped a little bit, compared to his contemporaries, 
he's still a better player, in my opinion, than Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. And when you look at the numbers, they're pretty similar to what Allen and Herbert had. And those were those guys' best seasons. This last year was Mahomes' worst season of the four seasons that he's been the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't know if just one year would be enough for me to drop Mahomes down below those two guys. Well, I mean, look, you got to make a rating, right? You got to make a call. But based mm-hmm. on last year, those two players were better than Mahomes. They were better. Now, you know, they, they didn't get to the Super Bowl and they, you know, Mahomes won. You know, Mahomes got to the conference championship game. You know, Herbert doesn't even make the playoffs that more on his coach than on him. But to me, last year, I mean, what, you know, and we'll get to it. Like, to me, Herbert was just incredible in terms of his ability to make throws down the field, to lead them back. And I think if they had a better defense, he would have been even better than he was last year. I mean, there's no denying it. He was, you know, and the same thing with Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen did everything he could do, especially the second half of the season. They were the better play. If we were playing pickup and you took away and you just said to yourself, okay, nobody nobody here knows anything about all these five guys. We're just going to watch what they did last year and you rank them. To me, I don't know how you rank Mahomes better than those other two guys based on last year. Now, if you want to do it as a career, that's different. I would agree with you. If you want yeah. to do it over the career, the tapestry of events, yeah, no doubt. Well, Brady would be you. number one if we did it by career. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> no, well. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean Brady. Yeah, but my point is, I, I mean, I I think you have to do it by year. Every year you so every year when you sit in a room and you write up a quarterback, you got to put a final grade on him. So if I'm writing up Patrick Mahomes and I'm going to make him on the board and I want to know who's a blue chip and a red chip, I'm going to still give him a blue chip grade, but I'm going to give him the lower blue chip grade than I would Herbert. Or what I would Herbert or, uh, or Josh you know Allen. Uh, Josh Allen or any of those guys. I mean, I just just did. To me, he didn't. I I think it's one of the untold secrets. He didn't play good. Like there's a lot of things about the season this year that is like we don't really we, Buffalo not playing against a great quarterback. Patrick Mahomes has to play better, right? Like there's a lot of things that we don't discuss because it's not prevalent within the media, but they're there. Like if you're in the league, you know that. Russell Wilson didn't play good last year. You would never know that by the fanfare he gets, but he didn't, right? Yeah, to his standard, he did not play well. Let's look at these top five quarterbacks, and I know wins are not everything, and it's a team sport, but the quarterback is the position that has the most influence on winning and losing. Mahomes was 50-13 and 13 in his career. Josh Allen, 39-21. and 21. Herbert is 15 and 17. Brady is 243 and 73. Rodgers, 139 to 66 and 1. One of those is not like the others. Justin Herbert at number three. What is it when you watch this tape that has you so confident, despite the team success, to where you'd rank him as your number three quarterback? Well, I think he's got everything you want. He's got toughness, can make the throw, he can move, can make loose plays. Look, it's not his fault. His head coach is going for it on fourth down, doing dumb things. I mean, he can't apologize for that. You know, it's not his fault his head coach can't play a lick of defense the whole season. You know, they can't stop the run. Like, it's not his fault. Like, the guy was through 38 touchdown passes. Can he protect the ball better? Sure. Through 15 interceptions, no doubt. You know, 2.2 interception percentage isn't exactly going to get it done for you. But, you know, he led five game-winning drives. Guy brought the team back five times. You know, in the fourth quarter, five times. I mean, you know, I don't want to play him at the end of the game. I don't want to be sitting up in the press box saying, oh, shit, we just punted it back to Herbert. Oh, no. You know, here we go. Hold on to your ass. I don't even want to look. I mean, (laughs) those are the games you don't even look. You just sit in your chair and you look down there and you just wait for the crowd to react. You know, like, oh, shit, I don't want to watch this. So I just think he, to me, and 
you know, I thought they didn't do a good enough. Like, I think Mike Williams is the key to their offense. But I also think that they got to have a power back in there. They signed Sonny Michelle. I think that'll help them a little bit. But I think he needs more help as a team player. But if you're going to build a quarterback, like, to me, there's a 30 for 30 out there. How do you take Herbert over? How do you take Tua over Herbert? Like, how do you do that? Like, watch the two players play. Watch the two players throw. It just shows you the power of branding. It shows you the power of of the way the the you know I mean David Ogilvy. Do you know who David Ogilvy is? No. D- David Ogilvy was the king of advertisement. I mean, probably the father of advertising in the world. Right? He's a uh-huh. British guy. Wrote a lot of good books, but he would be so proud of Tua being picked over Herbert because it was all advertising. It was all advertisements. It was all how do we brand this? Yeah, I mean, in fairness to the whole collective that said Tua should go over Herbert, I don't think Mario Cristobal and that Oregon staff did Herbert any favors what they were doing during his time there in Eugene. As good as Herbert is, that team underachieved based off of his talents there. Agreed, 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 counselor, I agree, but I object. (laughs) I object because he went to the Senior Bowl. He went to the Senior Bowl, and he and he was so yeah. good in the Senior Bowl that basically we eliminated Mario Cristobal from the. Basically, we now know Mario Cristobal is a cheerleader. Now we know that, right? <laughs> Put him over here. Give him pom poms. Give him a horn. He's cheering. Let's have him over here because he ain't coaching offensive football. He no. ain't going anywhere near the NFL. Like he's so far from the NFL, there's no chance. I got that. I'm complete. Like I I made that mistake. I was so down on Herbert that mm-hmm. I finally had to have this in- intervention with myself saying, you know, I'm criticizing the Oregon offense, not Herbert. What are we doing rolling this guy out? What are we cutting the field in half for with no this sense. guy? It made no sense. It made no sense. But let's just put him over here. Give him a uniform. Give him a pom-pom. Give him the corn, you know, and he can go. Welcome to Miami. Only in America can somebody do that job where people don't know. Again, branding. David Ogilvy David Ogilvy would be very proud of Mario Cristobal too making that contract. All advertisement. All advertisement. We should have a David Ogilvy award on this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm game for it. We add that to the award section, which is coming back on Monday, by the way. The yeah, award section after, back. After, yeah. after we get We gotta all have the, an award in. section. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We gotta give the David Ogilvy the for the biggest, you know, for the guy that the, you know you know, whenever you go to Hollywood, whenever, have you done the back lot at Universal yet? Femi? Mm-mm, no, I haven't done that one yet. When you go to the back lot at Universal, uh, you, they take you through all these homes, you know, where Leave It the Beaver was filmed and all that crap. But when you open up the door, there's no house. It's just the front of the house, right? Yeah. That's the David Ogilvy Award. When you open up the door, there's nothing there. There's, you know, the media <laughs> thinks he's sensational. Oh, my God, he's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, the, the P.T. Barnum Award. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the David Ogilvy Award from here on. Stephen Bond, but that's the, award. The, we'll take, we'll the, put the that David one Ogilvy. in. Yep. We'll have the production meeting here during the show. The David Ogilvy Award added for Monday. So look out for that after the full slate of games this weekend. The number two guy, Tom Brady. The number one guy is Aaron Rodgers. What was the dif- differentiator for you, Michael, putting Aaron Rodgers there at that top spot? I just think Aaron Rodgers carries the, you know, carries the team. I think he carries the coach. He carries the team. He makes up for all the sins. You know, Brady is, I mean, we're splitting hairs here, right? I yeah. mean, so, you know, I mean, but Rodgers has to overcome so much. And now I know he had Devontae Adams last year, so that certainly helped. And Brady lost some of his players. But to me, Brady has a better defense last year, although I thought I thought Green Bay's defense was better. But I thought he's got to carry it. I really do. And, I mean, it's splitting hairs. You can go one way or the other. It doesn't matter. I think they're both tremendous. And 
I could make him 1A, 1A, 1A2, 1A1. You know, it doesn't mm. matter. Tom Brady's resume and doing preparation for this podcast, it's just fun to see it just for a refresher standpoint because we know that he has such a great resume. But when you actually look at it on paper, it's incredible. He's thrown for 4,000 yeah. plus yards 13 times in his career, three-time MVP, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, the all-time passing yards leader, touchdowns leader. The man is known for 84,520 passing yards. Just ridiculous. And I don't want you to give this away, Michael, because I know your book is coming out and you have the list of the players here. But, I mean, it, is he the best of all time? Regardless of position, well, is Tom Brady the best well, football player of all time? I mean, certainly you got to be in the conversation. And the longevity certainly brings him up there. That's the difference between players that have a Hall of Fame career and a Hall of Fame season, right? Brady's yeah. had a Hall of Fame career. I mean, look, he's the guy two Hall of Fame careers. 700, he, two, he's maybe had three, right? I mean, he got through it 719 times last year. 719 times he dropped back to throw the ball. 719 times he dropped back to throw the ball. And only six times did the, did the other team catch the ball. Six. That's... I mean, excuse me, 12 times. 12 times. I mean, you know, and that's high for Brady. And, and he still leads him on five game-winning drives. Three fourth-quarter comebacks. Love him. It, he's, he's absolutely ridiculous there. Tom Brady, the GOAT, but for the blue-chip, red-chip list, he comes in at number two behind Aaron Rodgers, the four-time MVP, and the two-time reigning MVP. All right, Michael, that's our blue-chip, red-chip series. It is concluded, and we're going to take one more final break here on the podcast. And just to recap the list there, for the top five guys, you have Patrick Mahomes at five, Josh Allen at four, Justin Herbert at three, Tom Brady two, and Aaron Rodgers number one at the position. But on the other side, Michael, let's get to week one NFL game. Sunday slate. We're going to talk about it next yep. year on the GM Shuffle. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, let's go through some of these week one games. And we work at VEASAN. And in VEASAN, we always get some cool notes and nuggets to help us kind of prepare for betting into some of these games. It's a little bit of a compass before we start the season. And one note is courtesy of our guy, Steve Mackinnon, who does work for us here at VEASAN Daily Pro and always has all sorts of interesting trends. And this trend I thought was really fascinating. Both of us did. And it's division home underdogs since 2009 are 16 and six straight up 19 and four against the spread here in week number one. So these divisional home dogs, teams, Facing rivals when they're undervalued in the market tend to be really profitable. And the three teams that apply it to this system, the Atlanta Falcons catching five and a half against the New Orleans Saints, the Houston Texans now catching seven, hosting the Indianapolis Colts, and the Minnesota Vikings catching one and a half points against the Green Bay Packers. Are you confident in backing some of these home underdogs? You know, I'm not confident about anything in week one because I wrote this column for VEASAN. And if you want to get all this stuff, just go to VEASAN.com, sign up for our, our guide. But the Seattle also fits in this category too. But when I, I'm uncomfortable with my power rankings because as I mentioned last year, then is then, now is now. So you can't just automatically transfer last year into this year. Like Arizona's a home dog too. And that line moved from, I think, four and a half. It's up almost to six now. Six, yeah. And... You know, and maybe that's because I, I, I would find this hard to believe. Maybe because Colt McCoy got hurt. Maybe, there, you know, if you bring up the McSorley, you're, you're basically telling beep beep. You're telling uh, Kyler Murray, no running around. You can't get hurt, brother. You got to stay in the game. We, we ain't going to Trace McSorley here. It's going to be problematic. So I, I don't know. Week one's the hardest to handicap I, because there's no history. Like, there's no really bias. So as hard as it is, it's almost easy. Like, I think. 
you know, like I don't love any game this week. I don't feel confident in any game, but I would play I would play those teams because I think it's hard in a divisional game. I think when you have those, the teams know each other. And and the dogs are kind of like this Seattle knows Denver. And it's the first game of the year. You know, the Texans know the Colts. They've played them before. They've understood it. Lovey Smith's played against Frank Wright. They know what they want to do. They know how they're mm-hmm. going to handle it. I just think to me, week one, you almost have to kind of take away the handicap of where you think they are and focus strictly on the game. I don't think I can get there with Atlanta at catching five and a half. The, the mismatch in the trenches is just way too much for me yeah. to where I would not back it. <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't do it either because you know why? I power ranked the teams. I went through it. I did I did the coaching staffs. I did the coordinators. I did all that, right? Mm-hmm. I power ranked the teams. And my line for the Atlanta game is New Orleans should be favored by almost 8.25. 8, 8. So to yep. me, like that doesn't play. Like if I'm taking anybody, I'm going to go against the grain and take New Orleans. But I probably don't want to go against the grain on this because I think 19 and 4 against the spread since for the last 12 years is pretty impressive. So, uh, uh, you know, eliminating games, Fem, is a good thing. It's not the worst thing you can do, right? Okay. So I, I would eliminate. I'll tell you one that I like, uh, and okay. I know this is going to sound. Let's get I let's like get the wild. Giants. I like the Giants in taking the points. Love it. <laughs> because I think this will be a close game, and I think that the Tennessee can't run away from anybody. I think, ten, I think the Giants can play run defense well enough that that's the games – and when you run the ball, you don't score a lot of points. So I think to me – Tannehill's not going to be a factor in throwing it. I think Variable's got to play it close to the vest. And I think Daniel Jones, if they can protect him, okay. And then you go back to Buffalo last year. I mean, Dayball had a really good plan against Buffalo last year. Scored a lot of points. They missed the, four, the, the fourth down play mm-hmm. that, they, that, that Allen stumbled and didn't get the first down. But I, I think there'll be a good game plan. I could see the Giants. I'm not saying can they win. I think getting six is a pretty good play. I 100% I have agree. it as a I have it as a 3.5 game. I, I 100% agree. In fact, it was part of my summer specials. I've already bet this game, Michael. I bet I took the points of the Giants. Our buddies over at the South Point hung a 7. The only place in town that had a 7 and I had to bet it. So I'm in with the New York Giants here. I agree with you. I thought around 3 or 4 is what was fair for this game. Uh the right now DraftKings our show sponsor has it at 5 and a half, the total at 43 and a half. So it's going to be a lower scoring game and and at least what the market is expecting here. So the Giants with the points to me. It's an ugly one, especially what we've seen out of the training camp reports and the preseason, but you can't let that stuff cloud your mind here sometimes you just got to make these bets and take these numbers so i'm rocking with big blue with you here but what do you think about your new england patriots they're catching three and a half now against the miami dolphins i think it's a hard place for new england to play i think it's really i think the heat humidity now they've gone down there all week i think it's a lot of points i I, think a lot of points man to me you get that half point you almost have to take it right i have this as a pick them game based on where new england is right now based on everything coaches and all that look you know one thing I know, too, is first-year head coaches struggle. I mean, mm-hmm. last year we had seven new head coaches. Two of them won opening weekend. Nick Sirianni because he f- went against Arthur Smith, and then Brendan Staley, he went against Ron Rivera. So I, I think to me, I, I don't really want to play it uh, because initially I thought if the line was under three, I would take Miami. But at three and a half, I think you got to look at it. I think Minnesota – is a good play getting you know home dog getting points i think that's a nice play there too i think you got to look at that closely because i have that game i have it as a one point game 
you know, and, and I know my numbers are not like I feel as confident in them, but I do feel like based on the tape of the preseason, based on what I've seen, based on the teams and the matchups between the coordinators, I, I think you got to look. Look, I, I think the other game, Kansas City, Arizona. I think Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury are very good opening day. Kyler Murray's mm-hmm. as healthy as he's ever going to be, right? Hasn't had one hit on him. And I expect him to play really well. I think Kansas City starts the year defensively slow. They make too many mistakes. They miss coverage. They miscommunicate. I I think if you're going to get four and a half, and I think it went up to six, I think you got a hell of a chance. Uh, That's a game I have not bet it yet, but I will be betting on the Arizona Cardinals. I love getting six in this spot here. Like you mentioned, it's early season cliff. Have we forgotten what's happened over the last couple of years? These guys get out the gates firing. And the Kansas yeah, City Chiefs, the defensive concerns that you outlined there, I, I 100% agree with you. And don't con- don't ever confuse this. Bad teams can win on go- week one. Yes. Don't, like uh, <laughs> the Burt Bell axiom, on any given Sunday, any team can beat the other team, that is fully in play here on this Sunday. What do you think about the Darlings Bowl down in the Motor City? It's everyone's favorite, the Hard Knocks champions, the Detroit Lions going up against, in your neck of the woods there, the Philadelphia Eagles to where – I don't know how how is setup coming along for the parade. Have they, have they finished that up there for the Super Bowl parade? Oh yeah, like, oh, they, they got the bleachers in place. <laughs> look, it's beautiful. But you know, it's funny. You know, it, it, I always like to look at the betting splits on Monday of the week. Like, I I never want to be on a team. I never want to be on a game where the betting splits are are like they're not favorable. So when you look at this game, even though the number is stagnant, it stayed at four pretty much all summer and and so far. Everybody seems to be betting Detroit, but the number's mm-hmm. not moving. It's not moving, which tells me, like, my my number in this game, when I look at this game, I had this game as a 6.6 game. Yep. So if I have to take anybody, I'm taking Philly. I think your number's more accurate. And I haven't bet it yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to bet Philadelphia. But I'm waiting because you yeah. you're talking about how a lot of people are betting Detroit. I'm hoping this can get down to three or sometime on Sunday to where I can only have to lay three here, but... I think people are reading this whole thing I don't thing think wrong it's going to move. I think they don't yeah. want, I think if it moves to three and a half, it goes right back to four. Yeah. That's, and you're probably right. That's, that's probably why it's sitting at four here, despite all the love for everyone's favorite underdog, the Detroit Lions. The Browns and the Panthers is a really interesting game here. Cleveland is a one and a half point underdog. Jacoby Brissett and the Cleveland Browns going to face Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. What do you expect to see down there in Charlotte? You know, I, I think this is, you know, I think they got to block Miles Garrett. They got a rookie left tackle over there. They got to handle Miles Garrett. They can't turn the ball over. Cleveland's going to need to rely on turnovers, extra possessions to help their offense. And Carolina's got to stop the run. Carolina's, this is a game where if they could pace the game, if they could get a 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter, play fast. Make Cleveland have to play from behind. Make Brissett play quarterback, not play action quarterback. I think they have a chance. I have this as a two-point game favoring Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, and Cleveland's getting points. Now, obviously, full disclosure, my son's in Carolina, so I'm not I'm not betting against him. I love him too much. So, <laughs> But the reality of it is, is, you know, they've got to play the mistake-free game. And I think where people missing, Carolina's going to be better in the kicking game. They hired Chris. They hired Chris Tabor from the Chicago Bears, who was very good last year. They they were a disaster. And the, the two areas I think Carolina got overlooked last year. They were not very good in the offensive line, and they were not very good in the kicking game. And Matt Rule made changes in both areas, which I think he had to do. I think that'll help improve their team. I think Carolina. Whatever happens week one, I think Carolina is going to be a good team this year. I really do. 
Your son is also on the Las Vegas Raiders staff yeah. uh, under Josh McDaniels, and they're taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm really interested to see this game. Two offenses that have been highly touted all throughout this offseason. The Chargers, three-and-a-half-point favorites at our show sponsor, DraftKings. Total, 52-and-a-half, indicating we might see some points on the board. But I like taking the points, Michael. You agree with me? I do, too. I, and look, this is the John Carroll game. I mean, Brendan Staley, John Carroll, Josh McDaniels, John Carroll. Yeah. Look, the one thing we know last year, the Patriots went out there and they ran the football. They controlled the pace of the game. I think that'll be the blueprint for the game. I, I think the Raiders are going to be more dynamic in the red zone, especially with Waller. You know, maybe his contract gets done on Saturday afternoon before they go down there. But I, I think the Raiders offensively are going to be a real problem. And I think the Chargers are going to be a real problem. But I think in, in a complete sense, the, the key to the game is going to be, can this Raider offensive line protect? Can yeah. Illuminor the right tackle, can he block against Joey Bosa? Can he handle that? Can they handle Khalil Mack? Can they block the front and give Carr time to throw? If he has time to throw, J.C. Jackson's not going to play in the game. They will throw the football against the Chargers. Last but certainly not least, Sunday night football, your boy, Tom Brady, going to be against my team yeah. in Jerry World, the Dallas Cowboys, the Bucks, two and a half point favorites over at DraftKings. Totals 51 here. I don't think my boys can get it done, Michael. Uh, I'm back in Brady and the Bucks in this one. You know, I have this as a 4.87 game, so it would lead me to take Tampa. You know, I mean, if Dallas should get four and they're only getting two and what are they getting? Two and a half, you say? Two and a half, yep. Yeah, so you know, to me, it leans me to taking Tampa. I, I, I don't. I think Brady will have a really good plan. Dan Quinn has done a nice job against Brady disguising coverage. Remember the interception at the end of the half. Mm -hmm. I, I think to me, this is one of those is our this offensive line, which is going to be the key to Tampa's success. And Brady, are they going to be strong enough to handle this? And that's going to be the challenge. We're going to find out. This to me is an in-game bet prop because I think you're going to be idea of where Brady is in terms of his protection. But everyone's talking about Tampa's offensive line. Look at Dallas's offensive line. Tyron yeah. Smith is hurt. Jason Peters is not Jerry's ready. He's not going to be playing. Jerry Smith, Jerry Jones is talking about like like Jason Peters is like the second coming. Like, <laughs> yeah. are you kidding? Put him out there. What's tough, the over man. under that he get that he has to get helped off the field at some point in the game? Now he'll come back because he's tough, but he'll have to get helped off. There's no doubt. Yeah, I hope it's to the under, but I'm concerned about that Cowboys offensive line and that wide receiver core who is going to be Ceedee Lamb and the rookie Jalen Tolbert and Simi Fajoko. Everyone's saying, "Who the hell is that?" Tony <laughs> he's Pollard. The second guy. Tony, Tony Pollard's going to be in there Tony too. Pollard's going to be mixing in in the slot. I'm curious to see how Kellen Moore uses him there. There've been a lot of reports that they want to use Zeke and Pollard on the field at the same time. I'll believe it when I see it because I've heard that many a times with this Dallas Cowboys team, but. I just think that there's too many question marks with this Cowboys offense. Honestly, the smart play is probably to bet the under because I think this is going to be like a 23-20 kind of game. I don't see either offense really putting up fireworks there in this game over at Jerry World. Sunday Night Football, Michael. I cannot wait for that love game. It. Absolutely love it. love it here. But love that does it, it for like, us. You know, yes. Yeah, oh. I mean, the, uh, we got to have at least one Soprano moment. Look, you know, I, I think to me, yeah. uh, when I was wa going through it and I see these clips all the time on Instagram – you know, the, about the Sopranos and about some of the scenes. I, I think I, I like that when Tony came in and talked about, you know, how this fi family's not making enough money. I think it's a long season. You know, they all sat there with their legs down. Everybody's head was in the dirt. You know, they're trying because of the recession. I think as betters, we should look at this year as a long year. Just be <laughs> yes. patient. You know, mm -hmm. time and memorial will come through. Yes, you, you don't have to win it all. 
this coming Sunday. Not in week one. Not, <laughs> Not in week, week one. one. Take you, your time. You can definitely lose it all. We don't want to get off to a bad start. But like we mentioned, we will be back Monday going back to our two episode per week format here on the podcast we're going to react to everything that we see over the weekend including tonight's game bills rams thursday night football opening night it's going to be fantastic thank you to DraftKings. thank you to vison thank you to our producer Stephen bond as always on the ones and twos thank you to you michael and i'll talk to you on monday baby we'll react I'll to see some you monday football my man. Sunday. thanks Stephen bond